Welcome to Wolfpack Career Chats from NC State University's Career Development Center, the only podcast dedicated to providing NC State students with current, relevant, and thought-provoking ideas that will challenge you to think about your future. Whether you want to know more about what hiring managers are really thinking, or you just need to hear an honest and encouraging story about overcoming obstacles to reach your goals, we've got you covered. Wolfpack Career Chats is just one of the many services we provide. Whether it's career fairs, on-campus interviews, co-op opportunities, or more, we are here for the pack. Hello, it's Marcy Bullock with Wolfpack Career Chats, and today we have Marie Williams with us. And Marie, it's so good to see you today. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to um, have an opportunity to talk a little bit more, especially given the timing, in that we have just wound down Black History Month, and we have a wonderfully successful, strong black woman here today to share some tips with us. So we're delighted to have you. Thank you and so much. And I would love to hear you just kind of talk about what you're proud of because I know you've done some amazing things. This woman is the chief human resource officer for the entire university. It's thousands and thousands of people. As I said, no pressure with that. She, she has about 80 people under her umbrella. That's so it's a big job. So what are some of the things you reflect on and feel proud about as this month winds down and we move into March, which is so hard to believe. Yeah, I, I'd say proud of. I first and foremost would start with the team. So yesterday um, we kicked off our second HR professionals conference and we've really been trying to drive the importance of really training uh, all of our HR teams on campus and our professionals. And so we did this main event and I've been really, um, a, a topic that's really been pressing on my mind is this issue of how to be agile in the workplace. And particularly in higher education, uh, HR, how do we create that agility when we have such bureaucratic structures and, and lots of systems to follow? And uh, we had an amazing consultant that uh, worked with us yesterday and uh, I can honestly say I was very proud of that moment because I've seen that team of 80. When I joined NC State in 2016, they most probably were thinking, oh my gosh, who is this new leader? I'm high energy. I like to think of myself as a non-traditional HR person in the sense that I also have a corporate background instead of just higher education. Um, and worked in a lot of different industries and thinking, oh my gosh, there was probably thinking, what is she going to make us do? And uh, seeing them sort of transform into this really collaborative group. And we rolled out our first HR strategic plan. We think it might be the first HR strategic plan for NC State. And this was all done by our team. That makes me proud. It makes me proud that we can start off all at different places and come together over a combined goal and be able to roll that out and say, we did that. We did that without consultant help. And I brought a copy for you guys to see after this podcast, but that is just a recent thing I'm very proud of. But in terms of my own accomplishments, I come from England, so as you can tell from the accent, uh, I always say there's diversity in the accent. I saw a whoop, whoop right the back there, yeah, you go. England in the house. Um, but I like to say from my accent, uh, I have lived in England and I've also lived in the, I was born in England, lived in the Caribbean, 
and have lived in various places in the United States, being Savannah, then Nashville, Indiana, and now Raleigh, which I love. Um, and so I'm sure when people hear me, they're thinking, what? where is she from? But um, I have uh, lived in many cultures and, I, and, and, and many countries and cities, and I'm very proud of uh, the fact that um, being that I'm not originally an American, um, I am now a U.S. citizen, but I love America, but I also embrace every culture that I come in contact with. So when we're talking about diversity, and I think that truly is the essence of Black History Month, is really celebrating not only our culture as African Americans, but really the just diversity in general. And I know that's something that NC State is very much supportive of, is creating this diverse and inclusive culture. You know, I've lived lots of countries. I know what it's like to be a Brit and then move to the Caribbean. In Britain, I remember when I was going to college in London, you just would rush everywhere. And then when I, and you kind of focused on ATB, you don't pay much attention to a lot of people. And then I lived in the Caribbean, which we can, what can you imagine? It's very sort of slow paced, chill. And at the time I didn't get to appreciate that because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, they go so slow. Why don't they hurry up and pack my, my, you know, my groceries in the bags and things? And then as I got older, I came to appreciate that culture. And I come to appreciate that um, being always fast-paced means that you aren't always enjoying the important moments of life. And I learned that from that experience that by living in another country, if you learn to look at that country from the lens to which it is at, uh, you can learn so much and be enriched by it. So that's what I also teach my children. I teach my children that anytime we go to a place, and we love to travel, but anytime we go to a place, um, always use the lens of trying to see the beauty of that place, regardless of how poor that place may be, there's beauty in everything. And that's what I've learned from living in lots of places. So I've kind of talked a lot, but. I like the, I like the circle that you went in. So you shared some interesting things, Marie. So you're a working mother. And as we, as we get to know you a little better, I mentioned to you when we grabbed coffee preparing that we have used Gallup strengths, and so all yes. of our students in class have all their strengths memorized. Oh, I and didn't. I was like, I had to look mine up. <laughs> I, I gave her some warnings so she could look hers up. And would you mind sharing a little bit about your top five? So, yeah, so I, I my Gallup strengths, so I did uh, my strengths find a sort of thing a while ago. And, um, and also when I was a lot younger, and I think they actually changed. So it was maybe, I think, I'm assuming maybe about two or three years ago when I did this, um, and I think they changed. I don't remember what I started with, but my top five are, like David Letterman, my top five were individualization, I mean, which is true. It's, I'm intrigued by the unique qualities of people. I think that's why I'm aligned with HR. And, I, and while you're saying them, if you share one of these, just raise your hand. Oh, yeah. So we can look around the room. We see some other people that are connecting to okay, you on that. Thanks. Strategic. Okay, great. Ideation. I love being about the ideas. And even in HR, traditional is a traditional uh, job function. But I, that's why I'm introducing HR agility, because I do believe we can be innovative in the way we deliver HR. Uh, connectedness. I've got no HR people in the room then. Where's the, where's the <laughs> <laughs> Not even one hand. And then relater. 
I had a couple of relatives. Okay. Yeah, that's fantastic. They're my top five. Those are great, Marie. I like that you um, you had to look those up because it's something that you learn at one point and then you kind of infuse it back in and you realize how you're going to use it with your different teams and as you shared with us earlier you gave so much credit to your team and what they've accomplished with this new strategic yes. plan which I know you're you're so proud of them and for you personally has it been easy did you did you begin with a lot of confidence and a lot of goals and you did mean people in, terms of, life in terms of your life and and did people believe in you right away and encourage you or did you have some naysayers and you had to overcome maybe some struggles and obstacles to get to yeah. this wonderful successful role you're at today well that was a long question but I know what you mean so I, I would say um, I don't think every anybody ever goes and says you know from the time we're born, I think we're learning life, right? And I, I always strongly feel this, even though I'm much older in age now, that life is truly a journey. And if there's a takeaway that I'd like to pass with you is enjoy that journey, but remember it's a journey. And that it takes a while to get to places. I think sometimes even when we're younger, and I did, I was very much a type A perfectionist type of person. I would really want to make sure I did my best and it was exactly the way I wanted it. But and so I this was hard for you because that, you can't be perfect, you can you? Be perfect. Are there any Sometimes other perfection addiction people in here? I'm looking at some nuts. Come on, we've got to admit, there's more of us in the room than we care to admit. And so I think and particularly I realized when I was at college, I did, I did my undergrad at college in England, uh, I realized I was just so obsessed about my grades and getting the right score, blah, 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 blah. And I said, I think to the point where it most probably made me more stressful, but stressed than I really needed to be. And I, you know, and, and it was about this issue to prove, and I'm not sure if that was about proving to myself or even proving to others that I could do it. Um, I mentioned to Marcy, when I was growing up in England, and when I was growing up in England, there were lots of racial tensions at the time. And when I was growing up, even though I was considered to be in the sort of the top level of the student grades, I was told by some of my teachers that I was definitely not university level material. So just imagine that. I'm in the same, the same friends of mine who they told were university material, encouraged to go to university. I was being told I was not university material. And I believe that was because of the color of my skin. Uh, but the beauty was is that I had parents who who to me have instilled all my value system and uh, always said to me, Marie, you, you, uh, you are worth more than you think and you can do more than you know. And um, encouraged me to always stay the course and even with naysays, and these are teachers, you rely a lot on your teachers and these were teachers telling me that I was not university material. Well, fast forward, and not only did I graduate from college, but I graduated college in three years instead of four years and became top of my class. And so um, so I think in America you call it valedictorian, I forgot, I graduated first class honors. But it's not about bragging about what I accomplished, it's more about the fact that what happened if I gave up? What happened if I didn't believe in myself? And I think it's also important to know is, and as the lessons learning is, whose voices are we listening to that are shaping our lives? Not everybody you think is for you is for you, and not everybody who's against you is against you. Remember, my part of my background has also been working in the banking industry. I started my career after college in the banking industry, 
And I remember one of my good mentors now, he was an elderly gentleman, and he was known for making every woman in the bank cry. And I remember one time he told me something, and I just decided I was just going to have some guts. And I said to him, I said, I don't care what you say, you've made every woman in this bank cry, but you are not going to make me cry. And from that, he was like, oh, okay, I'm going to get on with this lady. <laughs> and he ended up being a wonderful mentor. Somebody who I thought most probably was not in my camp ended up shaping me in such special ways. So we have to be careful not to write key people off in our life. But also sometimes people who you think are close are most probably not the ones that are for you. And it's hard to discern that because we learn that as we go on. I think I must admit as I got older, I'm learning it more. But I would say it doesn't take being my age to learn that tool. So think about when you're interacting even as a student, who are you surrounding yourself with? And whose voices are playing most heavily in your mind? And if these voices are not positive voices that are lifting you up, encouraging you, then I say they're not the right voices. And think about those things. And also think about ourselves. You know, we know when we have conversations with ourselves, what is it that we're talking to ourselves about? Are we talking to ourselves about positive things? Or are we like, well, I remember when I was at college, I'd be like, oh my gosh, Marie, you missed that, you missed that question. How did you miss that question? You studied that stuff. And I used to get really on myself and down about that. That is not the type of talk we need to have. We need to be encouraging ourselves and say, Marie, you did your best. You gave your best. And also recognize, try to figure out um, what are your unique talents and skills. I guess I love HR and I'm wide for HR, and that's most probably why individualization became one of my top strengths is because I'm always trying to figure out, um, and I want to make sure we promote, what are, what are each of our unique strengths and abilities? And it's okay if they're different from our colleagues or our roommate or whatever. We all are on this world because we have a unique strength. But it's, it's for us. It's up to us to figure out what it is. Luckily, you have Marcy in a class like this who showed the way. I didn't have this. I thought, this is pretty awesome. Well, I'm their biggest cheerleader. And I, tell, yeah. I, I feel like this notion you just touched on with self-compassion is, is really important for us to hear because we are our worst critics. And we often get down on ourselves yeah. and focus on the negative. And one of the TED Talks that I like on this topic, because I'm a TED Talk nerd, yes. is yeah, by um, Kristen Neff. N-E-F-F, -F. I think it's spelled Kristen with a K, and she's done a lot of research on that. And I also think the point you just made about the voices you hear, it's like a record yes. playing in your head. And so if there's someone that's toxic in your life that's not building you up and bringing you energy, yes. how do you just delete those people and, and, and focus on the positive people that are maybe like your board of directors that are championing you? Yes. Um, I, I think it's, it is very hard to, and, I, and again, and it's not something you just master one day and then like, okay, I'm good now, I've figured that out. The reality is each and every one of us, even Marcy and I, we still struggle with those things, every human being does. The key thing is, is that you hopefully when you get a little bit older, and hopefully now we're imparting the skills, is when you're hearing yourself do that, try to recognize it so you can nip it in the bud. And what is one person's strategy may be different for another. For me, I'm also a spiritual person, so I focus on my faith. So I go on my faith first, and I involve myself in the word. That one helps encourage me. I also like to listen to music. 
So I sing, I dance. Even at work, I'm known to dance a lot. So much so, my work, I hate to say it, but then my 80 staff members know I dance all the time. <laughs> I do. Um, but they're the kinds of things that help me when I feel like I'm focusing on something and the record keeps playing, but it's not the right record, it's the negative record that I do to switch my mood. I also like to be inspired by things, and so I'm inspired by nature. For me, I'm a person, because I deal with people's problems all day long, every day, for me, to wait to unwind is to get out. I love to be on campus and just to see the students sitting on the, on the grass or playing volleyball or, or seeing the clouds in the sky. Sounds basic, but it enables me to connect with nature. It helps to remind me, sort of ground me of who I am and helps those record playing of those negative voices be turned into positive ones. And then I sometimes I just remind myself, Marie, you're blessed. You know, you have, you have talents, you're worthy, you're valued, you're loved. And I think it's important for us to, so, to sort of be, again, our own cheerleader. Whatever those the words are that resonate for you, but think about those words. And you don't have to even broadcast them to anybody else or your roommate, but say to them to yourself, when you see those negative feelings coming on, feelings of anxiety and stress, we live in a time where students, employees are forever stressed feeling anxious, feeling the pressures to belong, this is the time when you must find your way to go, what can I do? What can I do to help myself not fall into that trap of listening to these negative voices or feeling that this record is playing? So these are just some of the things I do, um, and you may be different, but I know a lot of times when I'm driving into work, I'm playing my music, I sing a lot, and so I'm sure when other people are, were stopping in traffic and they're seeing me dance <laughs> and they're seeing me sing, they know most probably don't know what I'm singing. They're thinking, that must be one crazy woman in that car. <laughs> but that's what I do to help get myself energized for the day. Yeah, and I like that you said that it's a lifelong process. Yes. We're, we're at different decades than a lot of our students and listeners who are in their 20s, but we're still working it out, still aren't we? Out. I, there's some mornings I'll wake up and I go, oh my God, I am looking rough today. <laughs> and I am just like literally overnight, I got like 50 gray hairs and 20 oh, yeah, wrinkles. And you just go, all right, stop, rewind and some of the positivity you've said, and also just humanizing yourself and talking about, because we've talked so much about career readiness and professionalism, but yet you're dancing and singing at work. Yeah. And so wh what is that like? How do you define professionalism and what do you expect of your team oh, in terms of, of you know, what that means? Yes. So I think, and I'll talk about, you know, one of the things I, I love to do, and I think that's why I have just enjoyed being in the career that I am in HR, is I enjoy creating and working with teams to create productive and engaged work environments. But sometimes people think that work environments, particularly in higher education, have to be so stuffy, and that leaders must be stuffy. I am not stuffy, and I am also not traditional. I like to, I'm high energy. I like to be inspired by ideas, which is ideation part coming in. And uh, I also think it's important to connect people where they're at. And I see all my strengths now coming in to the, what I do as a profession. Um, so I, I think professionalism, though, where I draw the line is professionalism. We must always be respectful to others and open to diversity of thought, diversity of opinion and ideas, and not just open to it, but encourage it. And so I, I carry di encourage different viewpoints. 
And I also want to make sure that in our, and then depending on our work environment, sometimes we have to dress more professional on some days and other days. That isn't a requirement sometimes of the workplace. So when you're going, going to look for jobs and things, make sure you understand the culture of the company to which you're interviewing. Some people have very laid back dress styles and very informal work environments then you don't want to dress up for that environment if you know that that's the style. But the same conversely could be the reverse. So educate yourself about the culture. But I think professionalism is important in the way we treat others and the way we talk to others, the way that we listen, um, the way that we need to learn from others. And so I do think that for me, that's an important part is that we must always, even as our team, as much as we may enjoy having fun, that professionalism is a must um, aspect of what we do. Respect. I mean, Must it's, respect it's that's fantastic, and you're also talking about being authentic, oh, yeah. and and not trying to be fake or to fit into a certain culture. Find the right yes, culture yes. for you. Yeah, if you don't mind, I mean, I, I learned this thing. I, I would say uh, honestly, when I was younger, um, and particularly at college, I could honestly say I really still did have a high degree. I felt of authenticity. But you know, you always do feel sometimes feel the pressures and I kind of was always willing to dare to be the Daniel. Um, but definitely much so as I've got older, I think it's really important to be comfortable in your truth, but always do that and authentic in who you are, but always do that in a professional way. So, but be authentic. And I know, well, now I'm, as I told you, I'm pretty old school. So I watch my kids all do the social media things and they get so annoyed with me because I'm, I, I'm like, how do you do that? And my son was like, I don't have Instagram. And I wanted to look at what my other son was doing. So he won't like that now. I've said that on the podcast. And, um, <laughs> and my youngest son said, Mom, don't, whatever you do, don't press the follow button. I'm like, why, why, why can't I press the follow button? <laughs> As you can tell, different generations apart, but... <laughs> And all these generations are coming together in They're the workplace. They're together, and I think that with HR and that's and as leaders, um, we have to recognize this value in each of those generations. You know, when I'm building our team, I don't need a team that's all of age or one racial uh, ethnicity group or, or anything like that. We all need to be a melting pot of thoughts, ideas, cultures, beliefs, ages. Whatever, because that's what adds. I recently, we recently hired a student. She left us now to go. She had another job opportunity, but um, I won't mention her name, but she was with us for maybe about four or five months and was so impactful. She transformed the way that we were doing our videos and she just came out of the College of Education and provided so much skill and knowledge and cutting edge things I could think of in my brain, again, ideation, but may not be able to do. And it was a student who came in and just had recently graduated and did that work. A student. So I'd say that even when you're looking at your careers, don't underestimate the value that you can bring to the jobs to which you're interviewing. Because many a time, many of us need the skill sets that you're learning here at NC State. And whoa, NC State, because I love NC State. But your NC State is really going to set you up well. But remember, don't shortchange short yourself. You've got skills, that, and particularly from this class, that any employer would love to have. It is true. This, this group is destined for a lot of success. 
and we're happy to have questions from this group so come on up to the microphone as soon as you have one do not be shy and let me down so I am going to ask no you I'm going to ask you now to tell us a book that we all need to read so this book um, for me, was uh, um, was Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. Has anybody read that book? One person, you've read it. No, I love that book, and it most probably explains a little bit why. Because I'm gonna, I have to read a little bit about what that book is about, and I did have to read this part. And it says, "Blink, Blink is a book about how we how we think without thinking, about choices that seem to be made in the instant." or in the blink of an eye. Many cases, when we've got difficult decisions to make, we already, or even if you're taking a quiz, sometimes you go and you look multiple choice, sometimes you go, that's the answer, right? In your mind, you go, that's the answer. And then what do you sometimes do? You second guess that answer because now you're thinking and then you change your mind and you may pick something else, but your, thought first, your first real thought was something else. That's kind of blink, and blink teaches us that sometimes it's our first thoughts that can either help us make really great decisions in life, and sometimes it's our first thoughts that can lead us astray. But I've sometimes found in my life, it's my first true, pure thought that has normally proved me, um, proved me right most of the time than wrong. And that's that, but you have to think about that because your brain will trick you. Yeah. You'll have a first thought and then you'll go, you'll rationalize things away. And then you'll convince yourself it's the other thought, but really it may have been the first thought. And so if you haven't read it, I love this book. It's called Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. And they, got, they brought some sports analogies and things like that, even how people can predict which marriages are successful. They talk about students in the classroom. But as you can see, I'm passionate about this book and it's a while ago I read it, but I keep it on my uh, iPad because I just love it. Oh, add that to the reading list. And our first question. Hi. Hi. Thank you for being courageous. <laughs> no problem. Um, so I understand that you have a lot of experience in human resources. Yes. Um, I just had a career fair yesterday. Okay. And there were some companies there that I was interested in that I hadn't done prior research for. Okay. So I was, I was just going to ask, um, do you have any tips as to do some, how to do some quick research on a company? Like what should I look for on their website? Okay. Things, things like that. I have to say to you that is one of the most intelligent questions you could be asking about research for a company. Um, I was just I'm getting ready to um, onboard a new employee, and that's what I was exactly what I was talking about. Even as I'm getting them ready to join NC State, key thing is is that one is that you always want to do a research. When I do it, I treat it like um, actually again might be the type A personality, and I'm giving you my little disclaimer right now. But it might be like where I'm also doing my almost like a little research paper. Normally what I have is just a tiny binder. Yours guys are electronic now, so you'll have it on your iPad or computer. But what I make sure I understand is what are the mission, vision, and values of that company. I guess, yeah, I'll, I'll slow down so you can write that down. Make sure you understand what the vision, mission, and values of that company is. Understand their strategic plan. Now, I'm giving you way more than really, but guess what? Go to an interview and know these things and weave it into your knowledge when they're asking you questions, you will be hired. So we understand their strategic plans. Read anything you can find about their financial picture. So I know even 
whether that be old, um, sometimes you can find for companies. GuideStar is a good resource if you're looking at nonprofits and you want to think of, look at their 990s. 990s tells you a lot of information. It also tells what people earn, the, what the highest earners are making sometimes. There are great ways. There, there's lots of information that we could use. Um, but also try to get a pulse. I go on Glassdoor sometimes to get um, a, a insight into what are the employees saying about what it's like to work there. That's a great tip. And yes. you can see when you interview candidates if they've taken that initiative right. and been resourceful. Yeah, so I think, you know, so we said vision, mission, values, strategic plan. Try to learn anything you can about the employee culture. Try to do a new search. Is there anything going on about that company now? They might be launching a new product. Or they might have had a crisis right now and you, you, you're hearing the chatter. Anything that you can do when you're interviewing to tell that interviewee that you've, you've done your best to understand them. And particularly, let's just say, if, if you are interested in HR, then I'd spend time learning as much as I can about the HR operation of that unit. Going on their website, reading about their policies, trying to understand who are the key players. So the key thing is, there. I do believe you'd stand well of being able to be hired for a job when you do your research at the beginning. If you're interviewing for an HR job, never say it because you love people. Hmm. Most people would say for an HR Sounds job. Sounds just too cheesy. And, I, and the, it, to be honest with you, I do love people. That's really true. But how could you think of a way? So I challenge you. Think of it if you're ever interested in working in the HR field. What is maybe something else that you could say outside? I love people, but really is still connected about because that's what we are in HR. We're about people. Here at NC State, we're about our faculty and staff because without hiring good faculty and staff and diverse faculty and staff, they wouldn't be able to teach what they teach to you, our students, which is our most important asset. So think about that. But they were the, some of the things I would start with. That's very good question. Very, very good very question. Good. And, and we have time for one more question. Oh, yes. Hi. Hi. Um, so you've accomplished a lot in your life and you've done a lot of things with your life. So I kind of wanted to give you more of a thought-provoking question. Yeah, sure. So what's the biggest dream that you currently have? Biggest dream. Biggest dream. Ooh, good question. So uh, mine is really more of my hobby. So uh, I love HR, but I also like to be creative. And um, I just always have been passionate about architecture and interior design. Growing up in England, I just love old buildings. I'm the type of person, if I see a great old church or something, I'm like, oh, I've got to take pictures. Oh, I just, I'm just in my element. So I'm doing this every time I go back to England because there's a lot of old buildings. But that's why I even love to visit places like D.C. and Chicago because they have some of those old bank buildings and things like that. But um, I would say, I'll be honest with you, I'd say... If I wasn't doing HR, I'd most probably would have been doing some kind of like interior design or architecture, something that kind of appeals to my creative side as well. Um, it's not necessarily my dream because I like to do that. So I try to renovate my house. That's what I do is kind of to kind of get into that piece of it. But um, that's kind of really for me. It's just. That's something you enjoy that's outside of work, enjoy, and yes. it's, ta it's a passion for you. Yes. So that's, that's wonderful. Thanks for that question. Well, this 30 minutes has flown, it's, it has flown by. by. It's been so delightful to have Marie Williams here today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank Thanks you for, for being me. here. Yes, thank you. The NC State Career
Career Development Center prepares and empowers students to identify and pursue their career goals. Stop by Pullen Hall to learn more. Thank you for listening to Wolfpack Career Chats, and we hope to see you around campus. Have a packtacular day.